Hello, and welcome to the Parabiblica for the Perplexed. One of the smaller, but nonetheless interesting, parabiblical genres is that of songs. This is a genre that appears sparingly throughout the Tanakh. There is a song of Chana, after Shmuel, Samuel, is born. There is a song of Devorah, after Sisra, is defeated. And there are many songs by Moshe throughout the Torah. This tradition also extends to the Apocrypha, as both Judith and Tobit contain songs of victory and praise. Some or all of these songs may have been sung and circulated separately from their parent compositions, perhaps both liturgically and celebrationally. The most well-known of these is Shirat Hayam, the Song of the Sea, which is still an important part of Shachri, the daily Jewish morning prayer. One of the parabiblical songs continues specifically from this song and the material around it. Shortly after the song concludes, the text briefly mentions a similar song sung by Miriam, with the woman of Israel. It seems that some authors perceived this as a gap and tried to fill it in, as 4Q365, a Dead Sea Scroll containing text of Exodus, had at this point a short passage of a song presumably attributed to Miriam. Like the text around it, it is written in Hebrew, but it was likely composed significantly later, probably the 1st century BCE. The song urges the reader to praise God for his triumph and might, having delivered his people. It highlights God's hatred of his enemies and how utterly destroyed they are. The surviving text concludes by praising God for keeping his covenant with his people, which may be an allusion back to the Brit Habenaptarim, the covenant of Abraham between the pieces. Worth noting about this song is that it takes some wording from the more familiar Moshe material and possibly from Targum on Shirat Hayam, the Aramaic translations, but is also unique from those texts in many ways. It was fairly common for these parabiblical songs to be associated with Shirat Hayam. Another of these songs is the Aramaic Song of the Lamb, a song of victory which details the encounter between David and Goliath. Its existence was known from the Revelation of John, which states that during the eschaton, the elect will sing the song of Moshe, likely Shirat Hayam, and the song of the Lamb. Given the Johannines community's association of Lamb imagery with Jesus, it was assumed that this lost song was a Christian composition. More recently, however, part of an acrostic poem also using Lamb imagery was recognized in Targumim, the Aramaic translations and expansions to Tanakh, Many scholars have identified this composition with the Song of the Lamb mentioned in Revelation. It was probably written in Judea around or shortly after the Judean Revolution, the late 1st century CE, and Aramaic was probably its original language. The text has been pieced together from numerous Targumim. The original text probably contained an introduction, but the first Targum begins in the middle of David and Goliath's conversation. Goliath urges David not to fight Goliath, as David is young and beautiful, comparing himself to a lion and David to a lamb. This may evoke stories of David fighting wildlife as a shepherd, mentioned in Shmuel and discussed in Psalms 152-153. to David has not yet married, and Goliath predicts he will one day be a king, but assures him he will not be able to win the battle, making several similar pleas for him to return to his flock. David responds that while he is weaker, he fights for God, as opposed to an idol, which will allow him to kill Goliath. David scorns Goliath's arrogance, stating that Shaul's comparative humility will cause the Israelites to win. Goliath once again states he has no desire to fight David. 
it is interesting how much effort is put into making Goliath sympathetic. At this point, we're likely the fragments from two other Targumim. In response to David's claims about Shaul and his idol, Goliath brings up his previous track record of battles against Israel. He first addresses the claims about God. He boasts of killing Chofni and Pinchas, the sons of Eli, the high priest. He also boasts of his capture of the Ark of God, which he placed in the Temple of Dagon. He states that God did not prevail then, to suggest that God will not be able to be victorious against him now either. He then discusses Shaul, contrasting his own impressive military accomplishments with Shaul's lack. He says it should be Shaul fighting him, and if not, whoever faces him is more worthy of being king. This is likely foreshadowing of David's later ascension to kingship. He restates his victories and challenges David to have God's might kill Goliath. Returning to the first Targum, there follows a narrative personifying the stones in David's sling. They compete with one another for which shall be the first throne, each stone having the name and attributes of a different figure. These are Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Moshe, and Aaron. This list may derive from the Ushpizin tradition, the guests set to visit during mealtime on Sukkot. The stone of Avraham makes an appeal that it should be the stone, stressing Goliath's lack of circumcision, likely an allusion to Avraham's pact of circumcision. It is possible that the original text contained similar appeals from each of the stones, but only Avraham's is present. The observing angels discuss, and with God conclude that it should be the stone of Aaron, somewhat paradoxically due to his affinity for peace, as Goliath's death will ensure a peaceful border. The stone hits true on Goliath's forehead, killing him. His sword falls and his spear shatters. The text ends with a plea that as God did for David, he should continue to do for the Jews. It is possible a further fragment fits somewhere in the text, this one discussing David's virtues. It praises him as mighty, anointed, in judgment, and surrounded by the righteous. It claims he is beautiful, wise, and always victorious in war. The Aramaic Song of the Lamb is not the only parabiblical song associated with David. Four songs intended for daily recitation have survived in a manuscript from the Cairo Geniza. They speak in the first person, and due to multiple allusions are thought to be attributed to David. It is possible there was one song for every day of the year, but they could also just repeat, with the surviving document being liturgical for the month of ER. They contain many references to the Psalms, in addition to some apocalyptic theming that may even be derived from Chanukh. They share many literary themes with the daily prayers at Qumran, which certainly means they stem from a similar tradition and could potentially mean they were written specifically by the Qumranites or Essenes. Some have suggested that they correspond with the daily Davidic songs mentioned in the David's Compositions paragraph in the Dead Sea Scrolls. If they do, they are obviously very early, possibly as early as the 1st century BCE, but could also be as late, if not, in the 3rd century CE. The first of these songs, written for the first of the month of Er, begins by praising God's judgment and division between good and evil. It claims God will remove the sons of foreigners from the nation, which may mean it was composed in a time when intermarriage was a prevalent issue. It, in contrast, praises God for giving wisdom, righteousness, and eternal song of praise to his people. It praises his mercy and states that the messianic era is near, praising the anointing of David. It then praises David's many virtues, with specific emphasis on being brought up from nothing. 
It describes how David was victorious against the surrounding nations with God's help. It ends with a more traditional prayer, praising God and announcing trust in him. The second of these songs is for the second day of ER. It is presented as a prayer after having witnessed a vision, which may suggest that the original document of the songs had a vision at some point. It asks for mercy for the Jews and that all nations will see God as the true God, interestingly using similar imagery to that found in the animal apocalypse in one Hanukkah. It states that the leaders of these nations will gather to observe God's deeds and learn his words. The righteous will be glad and rejoice with song in God, while the idolatrous will be ashamed and forsake their idols. The speaker in the song says he will relate God's wonders and will not be attracted to any other. The speaker asks that God not hide from him, as he loves God and his commandments more than earthly possessions. It asks for God's guidance to always do what is right, which the speaker will cherish. It also concludes with a more standardized prayer, blessing God and all who serve him. The third song, once again, starts as a prayer after a vision. It begins by praising and blessing God for raising the poor and redeeming the desperate, along with all the good things done for them, themes usually seen in association with David. It once again has a passage discussing how in the future all nations will acknowledge God as the ruler of all and will gather to worship God. It praises God as having control over all living things and for rewarding those loyal to God. God heals the sick and redeems the persecuted, turning mourning to gladness. It praises God for sending the prophets to heal and deliver God's word, encourages the reciter to contemplate and praise God, which all will eventually do. It once again concludes with a prayer for remembering God's people and keeping the kingdom forever. The last song, of which only 12 lines survive, is for the fourth day of ER, and is after a vision. These vision introductions may serve to convey the alleged divine nature of these songs. It blesses God for having kept true to God's people, giving them always wisdom and never falseness. It praises God for being just in the world, a theme that suggests it was likely written in a positive time for the Jews. The surviving text, which is cut off early, ends by praising those who follow God and God for awarding them. And so concludes this month's episode of Parabiblica for the Perplexed. I hope you enjoyed it. If so, I'd really appreciate it if you could give a good review or rating. And listen in next month for Parabiblica for the Perplexed, the third Sibylline Oracle.